Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, if you will. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We are going to spend some time in the Word today. I'm excited about it. I'm going to spend a few moments in the Word, and then uh, we're going to spend a few moments reflecting on the Word. This is the read and rant every morning. We spend about 20 or 30 minutes reading Scripture, and then we spend another 20 or 30 minutes reflecting on the Scripture that we have read. I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn uh, your Bible to Acts chapter 8, and there we're going to ask the Lord three questions today as we read his word. The first question is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that you're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? That's what we want to do. That's what we want to devote our time today as we uh, as we read God's word. Let's pray and let's get right to it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that you've given us, Lord, to read your word. Lord, we pray today that this word would speak to us in a powerful way. Let it do something new in us, Lord God, as we read your word. Let it encourage us. Let it exhort us. Let it correct us. Let it convict us. Whatever it is that you desire for us today, let it be done. Let it be so. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get to it. It says this. Now Paul was consenting to his death at the time uh, at the time the great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is a great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the thing concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
when they had laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of, your, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come to me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Then he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. <laughs> commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized him. Now when they had came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went away rejoicing, but Philip was found in Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. <clears throat> Chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him in heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him to, into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said to him, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm has he done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who are called on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered his house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. And all who heard were amazed. And he said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? And has he come here for what purpose? So that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who went, who dwelt, sorry, in Damascus, proving that this is Jesus. Sorry, but this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, 
coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. Then the brethren found out. They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then all the churches throughout Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints to dwell in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus, the Christ, heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. The woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lita was near Joppa, and disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. And Peter arose and went with them. When they had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was out with them. But Peter put them all out, and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it came known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. <clears throat> We're going to stop right here and spend a few moments reading. As you guys know, we read and we we have arbitrary stop points. And I figured this is a good place to stop. As we journey um, through the book of Acts, seeing the birth of the church. <clears throat> I have uh, a few thoughts that I want to share with you all. And, and if just, this is something that just stirred me up. So I'm, give me a moment as I'm reflecting on this because this is... Um, I mean, these stories that we read here are powerful. They're powerful because <clears throat> we see the nature of the birth of the church. And I say this because often we sometimes attribute, and I was saying this yesterday in our Bible study. Uh, if you were at the Bible study, catch it. I believe it, it'll be a blessing to you. There was some ranting in the Bible study, but I hope it was a blessing to you. <laughs> um, but definitely catch it on uh, Patreon. <clears throat> but I, if there's anything, if you recall from what we spoke about in the Bible study is, is that the church wasn't just this sort of 
cultural movement. It, it wasn't uh, primarily that. It, 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 it became the largest ever cultural, sociocultural movement in the history of humanity. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just a cultural movement. It was so much more. I think sometimes we forget that the church wasn't just this cool thing that just happened. But rather the church was a supernatural. The, the birth of the church was a supernatural moment. The church is a supernatural thing. The church isn't just something that just happened, but something that was instigated by God. A supernatural entity instigated by God. The church is supernatural. And I know that's weird for some people because it's never been spoken to you that way. We kind of just think of the church as this kind of thing that, you know, that, that we just sort of all connect together with this belief in Jesus. And because we believed in Jesus, these people kind of came together. And, and in this coming together of these people, we saw all these amazing things happen because they came together and they believed in Jesus. Don't ever forget. And the church was born after the waiting of the disciples in the upper room when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And there they began to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus told them prior to his ascension. He said, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He was saying, you better wait. Because what's going to happen next is not going to be a personality thing. It's not going to be a talent and capacity thing. It's not going to be an education and seminary trained thing. This next thing that's about to happen is going to be a Holy Spirit. And that's all it's going to be is a Holy Spirit inspired, Holy Spirit instigated, Holy Spirit <clears throat> work. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. God brought the church to existence. It is a God thing, primarily and exclusively a God thing. And I know some of us might be thinking, okay, I get it, I get it. But if we really, if we really postured ourselves that way to see it as a God thing, it is a Holy Spirit thing. It is a thing that no man could do, no man could create. I don't care how, how personable you are, how good looking you are, how tall and, how, you know, handsome or beautiful you are, or how educated you are, or how trained you are. It doesn't matter. None of that matters because those things did not, those things did not contribute to the birth of the church. We forget that. We forget that personalities did not contribute to the birth of the church. We forget that it wasn't good looks and education that contributed to the birth of the church. We forget that the church became the church. It was birthed not through a, you know, uh, 
not not through a charismatic leader or through somebody. No, the church was birthed through the instigation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It was all Holy Spirit. The church in the Bible was not born by personalities, by charisma, by good looks, by education, by training. None of those things take any credit for the birth of the church. The birth of the church was a God movement. It was instigated by God. It is a supernatural Holy Spirit thing. And I find it interesting today that so many of us, we develop strategies around man-made constructs. And then we get confused when it falls apart going, wait a minute, but this was the church. Well, the church was never birthed by that. So the question that I have to ask is, is what does your church stand on? What does your church depend on? Does your church depend on the Holy Spirit? Or does your church depend on doctrines, personalities? Is that what drives your church? Because if that's what drives and motivates your church, fam, I'm sorry to tell you, it's standing on nothing. It took the Holy Spirit to bring the church to life and it takes the Holy Spirit to sustain it. And God will use people who aren't as good looking, aren't as articulate, aren't as charismatic, aren't as educated to continue to propagate his mission moving forward. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is our church really built on? Is it built on personalities or is it built on Christ? Like, like, what what is our church built on? Because we become such a personality-driven church culture, and I, I always find it interesting because we, even now, like even those who criticize, you know, the mega churches. Fam, your church doesn't have to be a mega church for it to be personality-driven. You can have a nice, small, humble church and it's still personality driven. You can have one of those great Bible preaching churches and still have it be personality driven. I see more people quoting dead men who have written about the Bible than actually quoting the scriptures themselves. We spend so much time putting energy and effort to to justify or to uh, tell ourselves or to uh, say to ourselves that our churches are better because, you know, because we, we, we preach the Bible, the full gospel, but you sit around quoting theologians and not quoting Christ. Fam, if you can be honest with yourself, ask yourself that question. What actually drives you? What is your church really built on? Is it built on Christ? Is it dependent on the Holy Spirit? Or is it personality driven? I don't care what the what 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 school your great theologian pastor went to. If you quote him more than you quote Christ, and really, it's still personality driven, family. Now, 
Can you learn from those who God has entrusted? Yes, but we have to, we have to assess. We have to assess where our church really stands. Yes, we can honor those who do the great work and who've been uniquely gifted to preach and to teach. We need them in the body. We absolutely do. But family, let's ask ourselves the question, who are we truly elevating? Who are we truly celebrating? Who are we putting and leaning our faith on? I see folks who now are criticizing even some of the, the great teachers of scripture and finding out all the broken things that are going on in their churches and all the scandals across the board. There are scandals across the board there's probably a scandal with your favorite pastor <laughs> and your favorite preacher and your favorite theologian. There's probably a scandal. Or there might be a scandal all the way. We pray that that wouldn't be true. But the question is, where does your faith stand? Because there are folks today who are actually walking away from the faith because of what a pastor or a preacher or what somebody else has done. And I know this is going to sound dangerous, but I'm going to say it. Jesus Christ, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Lord, help me, y'all. Lord, help me. But I had the opportunity to watch a good portion of the um, Hillsong documentary. And I just want to just bring, because I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. It was actually pretty painful to watch, to be quite honest with you. It was It was pretty painful to watch. But I think the part that broke me the most was the portion in the end, as sad as the whole, the entire story is sad. And there were a lot of those things that I'd known about. So there was a lot of things I wasn't surprised by. I will say that. I mean, folks were like, did you watch the Amazon documentary? You got to watch it because there's all kinds of crazy things going on. There were a lot of those things that we'd known about. I mean, this stuff had come out on the news and I was I was aware of a lot of the things that uh, were spoken about in the documentary. So nothing was really, it was enlightening. Like nothing had surprised me. I'm watching it. But the part that broke my heart, the part that broke my heart was seeing the people and where they were after all the scandals had transpired at Hillsong. <laughs> People who said, I'm an atheist now. And I'm going to refrain from doing a TikTok on that one. People who said, well, you know, I don't really go to church and I don't believe in God. Folks who said, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not dealing with that thing. I'm going to walk away from it. There are people who actually walked away completely from the faith. And I can understand it because it is traumatizing to go through some of the stuff that you heard. It is traumatizing. I get it. But you want to know what's painful about all of that? Is many of those people 
weren't actually following Jesus. Many of those people didn't walk away from Jesus. And I know this is going to sound wild for me to say it. They walked away from a brand. As painful as all the things are that I watched in the Hillsong documentary, seeing all the scandal, all the brokenness, all of it, it was painful to watch. It was, truly. And I get why people were hurt, and I understand why people walked away. But the part that really breaks my heart are the people who actually walked away from the faith, that they actually walked away from the church. And from the faith. And I get it because if the church and the personalities and the brand is what you followed and you realize that that brand wasn't it, then I get why you walked away. But if you walked away from the faith and you walked away from Jesus, I've got to push back on that. You were never following Jesus in the first place. You were following the brand. And many folks were following the brand, realizing that they're just idols that fall short of God. Family, do we follow the brand or do we follow Jesus? Are we following the personality or are we following, are we following Jesus? There are lots of folks who've walked away from the church especially with all the scandals that you've heard, people who've walked away from the church, people who now say, you know what, I'm an atheist now, or I'm an agnostic, or, you know, I don't even know where I'm at. I'm going to say something that might sound pretty tough, but I have to say it anyway. As I get why you were hurt by people who were in the church, I get why you were hurt by people you trusted. I get all of that. But if you walked away from the faith and you say that you're an atheist now, you never truly believed in God. You believed in a person that you made God. You believed in a brand that you made God. And when you realized that brand wasn't God, you walked away saying that you walked away from God. You can't walk away from God when you truly have fully experienced him. And the truth is for many of us, this season of hurt and pain is actually an opportunity for us to actually really dig down and ask ourselves, what did we truly believe in? Because God never lets you down. God never lets you down. And this helps some people understand how you can get church hurt and still be in the faith. How you can be hurt. I'll tell you right now, the most church hurt people are people in ministry. And I say that not so anyone can look at me and say, oh, pastor's been hurt. Don't worry about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about across the board. I talk to pastors and ministers every day that go through church hurt, and yet they're faithful in their work. They're faithful in their mission. Why? Because they know Jesus. And no amount of church hurt is going to keep folks who have had an encounter with Jesus away from Jesus. No amount of it. Because we know how to discern the difference between Jesus and the people who claim his name. Ain't no amount of church hurt is going to keep me from Jesus. 
not a single, not a single person who says that they represent Jesus and something they did is going to affect my relationship with Jesus. Can I be hurt by people? Absolutely. But I would never walk away from Jesus because of what somebody did, because I've learned to discern the difference between Jesus and people who claim his name. And I think a lot of us have walked away from the church when really we're walking away from church people and we think that we've walked away from Jesus, but maybe it takes us going a little bit deeper and asking ourselves, did we even know Jesus in the first place? Because our God is faithful. He is loving. He is kind. He is merciful. He is a healer. He is a restorer. That's what he does. And I've known that. And I know that will never change. Never change. And so I pray for each and every one of us here. Like I pray for each and every one of you who may be in that season of hurt. I've talked to a lot of folks, a lot of folks online, in person. And right now we have a church that's in a season of hurt. People who've been hurt by personalities online, people who've been hurt by the things that, by people who've claimed Christ, people who've been hurt by people that they trusted. And you're in the season of, I, I've got to, I, I know I need to go deeper with Jesus because you haven't given up on Jesus. And you're saying, I need to go deeper with Jesus. And yet you find yourself not knowing what the next step is. Have courage. I, I'm really praying that you would have courage because God is asking you over and over again to try again, to try again to keep on trying. This is what he does. He tells us to keep on trying. Anyway, that's a side rant. I'm going to get to my point. <laughs> I'm going to get to my point here because as we're reading this text, we see the supernatural work of the church. See, I'm back, y'all. And we see that the church is not about personality. The church is not about any of that. The church is about the Holy Spirit. And the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. And it's interesting how we all, that we can see how the Holy Spirit addresses the need where it is. The Holy Spirit moved differently through different people in different ways to reach different people. But it's all Holy Spirit inspired. We see the supernatural work of this church in its embryonic phase. This, the, the book of Acts giving us the story of the birth of the church and seeing all the supernatural things that were happening. And we see how it's inspired people to have faith in Jesus because, again, faith in Jesus is not, is not based off of apologetics. I know some people think apologetics is what's going to bring you to Christ. No, apologetics doesn't bring anybody to Christ. Apologetics simply defends where we are in him from those who want to draw us or veer us away from our faith in Jesus. But apologetics does not, does not, let me say that one more time, does not bring anyone to Jesus. That's why these people on, on, on social media having all these arguments. Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating, y'all. Online is frustrating. It's frustrating going on TikTok lives and seeing the stuff that people are arguing about. 
It's so frustrating. I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is this is the biggest waste of time. Arguing about Jesus is real. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Jesus is God. Prove me wrong. You know, and so there's all these like debates about, you know, Jesus and these arguments about Jesus as if faith in Jesus was some kind of intellectual endeavor. <laughs> oh man, let me tell you, TikTok has gotten real toxic with that. Real toxic. I'll be scrolling up like, oh my God, not another bunch of people just arguing about or against or for Jesus. This is so, this is such a waste of time. Without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there will not be transformation. And all I see is dead bodies arguing with dead bodies. There are guys who I even see online who are arguing for Christianity. No, you're arguing for your tribe. You're not arguing for Christianity. You're not arguing for the, the Christian faith. You're arguing for your denomination or for your tribe. You can't shout. That's exactly right. You can't shout people to Jesus. And they just want to, they just want to prove themselves right. Arguing to be seen as smart. Exactly right. Sorry, y'all. Dead corpses, whitewashed tombs, pontificating over nothing, and no lives are being changed, no hearts are being transformed. But when I see how the church grew, it grew through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying all of this, and you, if, you, if you get where I'm going with this today, is I'm going with, I, we, we can, because I'm going to come back to Saul. We're going to come back to Saul. But I want you to read this, like, like and, and to, to read this through the lens of, this is all the Holy Spirit. Like, this is all the Holy Spirit. Like, how does a man who persecutes the church, arrests Christians, gets a decree to lock them up, how does this man become an evangelist and an apostle for Jesus' sake? The man went from watching a man martyred for the faith to arresting people and throwing them into jail for their faith to now risking his life for the faith. That, that, that ain't, that is not, that is not, <laughs> that is not just some sort of argument. And No, this was an encounter of the Holy Spirit. This was instigated by the Holy Spirit. And then we see how God uses Philip and the Ethiopian by divine providence sitting there in a desert. He's literally in a desert alone reading Isaiah chapter 53 and reading the prophetic the prophetic poetry of Isaiah pointing to Jesus Christ in that moment by divine providence and for God to speak to Philip all the way 
across the across the desert to say to Philip, hey, there's a guy over there that you need to go see because he needs to hear the gospel from you. How does that happen? How, how does that happen? That's the Holy Spirit. How does a sorcerer go about saying, hey, I believe in Jesus now. His profession of faith, because we, we can, man, I can, we can spend some time on that because his profession of faith was really about position and power and not truly about Jesus, but that's another conversation for another day. But this guy who moved in miraculous power, who was a, they called him a sorcerer, who did many things with great power and called himself God. This sorcerer was compelled to inquire about this power that, that Philip was operating in. Because Philip was not getting credit for himself. Philip would operate in power and point people to Jesus. Of course, later on, we see discernment all by the Holy Spirit. And we see that this Simon who wanted this power really wanted this power for his own self, for his own control, for his own brand. You can't read this and not see the Holy Spirit at work. You can't read this and ignore the supernatural dimension of what is happening here. This wasn't just another good evangelism plan. This wasn't just another cool, uh, uh, you know, Bible study project. This was so much more than that. This was the outpouring and the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close my Bible because I'm going to go into another rant and I don't want to do that. Family, as I'm reading this prayerfully, even as I'm in a season of planting my church, this church that we're here in Tampa and we've got a local church that we're planting here in Tampa and, and the Lord has really inspired us to plant this church. I have to remember that, first of all, it's not my church, so let me, let me put, put that back. It's not my church, it's his church. It's, it's, it's God's church. It's Christ's church. It is his body. And here's what he asks. He asks for me to posture myself in prayer to ask for his spirit, to depend on his spirit. And many of us, we have been, we have, we have been pulled away from that. You know what the problem is with the American church today? We're comfortable. We have money. You know, we, we have, we have business strategies and marketing plans. We have all those things. And it's not to say that those things can't be employed. The church, even as we read this, needed money. Yes, it did. But it's not money that powered the church. It was the Holy Spirit that powered the church. It wasn't a great marketing strategy that powered the church. It was the Holy Spirit that powered the church. It wasn't the seminary that they went and studied in that powered the church. It was the Holy Spirit that powered the church. We've lost that. We've lost that. 
We go to conferences for new ideas on how to grow our churches. The idea is still the same. It's never changed. It's prayer. It's the Holy Spirit. God's not giving anybody credit for this. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. So for those of you right now that are saying, okay, I'm, you know, I want to see revival in my church. Pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Submit yourself and be humble. As Jonathan just said right there, love. Love. Stop praying for a new idea. Stop thinking your church isn't growing because it, it don't have money. Churches don't fall apart because they don't have money. That is not why churches fall apart. Ooh, that's a that's a TikTok by itself right there. Jesus Christ. I'm I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> Maybe it's because I haven't had my coffee yet. Your church is not shutting down because it doesn't have money. Your church is not shutting down because it doesn't have the right leaders in place. Your church is shutting down because it doesn't pray enough. Your church is shutting down because it doesn't have the Holy Spirit and doesn't depend on the Holy Spirit. You know, the problem is, is that for many churches today, we think that what we're missing is, is we're missing money. We're missing things that corporations need. The church is not a corporation. The church is the body of Christ. And this is why you got churches with money that don't survive. And you have churches without any money that continue to thrive. Churches without buildings that continue to thrive. Churches that don't have the things that other people are crying about saying, it's because of that that our church isn't growing. No, your church isn't growing because you're not depending on the Holy Spirit. This is Christ's church. And it's Christ's church. The Holy Spirit is what drives it. The Holy Spirit is what empowers it. Can we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Can we pray? Because all these churches that are shutting down, they're shutting down for the wrong reasons. Since when was money the reason why your church shut down when money wasn't the reason why the church was born? Since when did churches shut down because they didn't have resources? We've lost sight because we do not pray. We lost sight because we do not depend on the Holy Spirit. So today, let us depend on the Holy Spirit. Because you know what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to work in us? We begin to love as God loves. We begin to have a burden that God has a burden for. And then we begin to move as God moves. Then the power of God begins to manifest through us. The church doesn't need a the church doesn't need a dollar to be born. It may need a dollar, it may need money to grow. But this church did not do a fundraising campaign to start. It started out of simply the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If only we'd run like that again. Run off of his spirit.
Heavenly Father, we thank you today, Lord, as we spend time today, spend time in your word today, Lord. I pray that we would be convicted, Lord, of Lord, the necessity of dependence. Lord, teach us to be dependent on you, O Lord. Teach us, the church, to be dependent on you, to trust in you, Father. I just pray, Lord, that you would bless us today, Lord. As we leave, Lord, let us leave, Lord, asking for your spirit. Lord, let your spirit illuminate us today. Illuminate our walk today. Lord, let us be aware of your spirit. Lord, breathe in each and every one of us today. Let me say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow and we'll we'll continue on. Again, if the Lord puts in your heart to support our ministry, it's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Join our Patreon community. Um, it starts off with $10 a month. You can always do more than that. But I thank the Lord for all of you who support, who make this a reality. God bless you guys. Love you guys very much. And also join our Discord community, discord.gg slash Opus Frere, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Love you guys. God bless you guys. I will see you guys tomorrow. Peace out.